Uh, so, so sorry, you were saying something. Did you take a bath when you were in bath? Uh, no, didn't have a bathtub. Did drink from the uh, weird water there that is a... They, I, I didn't know that the reason, the whole reason the town is called Bath is because there's a Roman bath there. Yeah. That's like millennia old and ha- it's like a natural hot spring and you they can they let you drink the water. And you it's can swim even, in it, right? Um, no, no, they don't let anybody swim in it. Can you imagine what the Romans thought back then when they're like, okay, we're going to make this awesome bathhouse, but in the future, people only people will be able to drink from the bathwater. They won't be able to wash themselves in it. Yeah, and then you're getting a little gross. bit of Roman, a little bit of Roman residual in there. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, a little bit of leftover, like like 800 BC detritus. Like we Ugh. all know that baths are not clean to begin with. No, God, no, no. Especially not when they're like a public facility. Even the cleanest public f- facility has a little bit of Roman detritus on it. Yeah, so, I mean that but like you drank on, it, on a Justin. world. A worldwide basis. I mean, I didn't drink it. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, okay, yes, I drank it. Well, add, but, what did it taste like? Um, very sort of like a sulfury, hmm. eggy sort of taste. Oh, yum yum, like farts. egg water, like, like kind of like farts. I guess like that farts. Roman, that weird Roman water, kind of, kind of a little bit. Do you think that's like Jurassic Park? Like that a long time ago, the Romans farted in the water, and the water has like sealed the farts. For decades, if not centuries, probably I don't not, think but... farts have much DNA in that either. Also, I, I, there are probably Romans that still exist, right? Like, no, not like Romans the traditional sense, but people are, have a little bit of Roman left in them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, the they still have some of that wolf blood, right? Isn't that where the Romans came from? They were yeah, they came from. It's the Remus. scientists. In order to get them, they they used wolf DNA and then spliced in the fart DNA. And to fill in the gaps. I think a lot of what you're saying is largely not based in science. Uh, oh, uh, sort of a fringe DNA, science. DNA is like a science thing that I've heard of before. Yeah. So, and that's like the funny thing about science. Like, what is it? My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best thing of the week. I'm Griffin McElroy, and I know the best thing of the week. My name is Chris Plant, and I know the best thing of the week. My name is Russ Frustrating, and I know the best game of the week. This is the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in humor, pop culture, news, sports, interviews, reviews. Camcorders? Uh, but Camcorders, uh, Walkmans. Root beer. Oakley's. I got it all. Um, and it's all waiting for you here on the besties. But today we're gonna mix it up and we're gonna talk about video games. Uh, uh, not just for come a long way since Pac-Man. We should talk about the new Pac-Man on the show just to like bridge that comedy gap that you've been building for so so long. Yeah, it's certainly a gap, um, it, wherein no comedy lives. Uh, so in that sense, your nomenclature is accurate. Uh, who wants to talk first about their uh, their video game experience? I've got a so big many, one. F- so many games. I've got a big one. There are so many games. Griffin's right. Uh, and, and this might be, I wager to guess, the strongest besties week of the year in terms of... Oh, probably, yeah. maybe of all time. It's maybe so of big, all time. The game police are coming to get us. Here they come, game police. <laughs> Yeah, I just shot a bunch of people with a bunch of games, so 
so I'm going to uh, bring my game, which was the best sequel of the week. None other than Legends of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. I don't know that I emphasized the right words when I said the title, but... A Link Between Worlds. A Link Between Worlds. Um, dog, this is... So, so let me break it down. I have not, like, loved, loved a Zelda game probably since Wind Waker... And even Wind HD? Waker. HD? Because that just came out this year. No, no, I'm talking old Wind Waker on GameCube. And uh, I know. You didn't like Link's Wind crossbow Waker. training? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have not loved the game since the original Wind Waker on uh, GameCube. There's been good ones, there's been moments, certainly. Like, I liked Phantom Hourglass, it wasn't awful, but none of them have, like, grabbed me. On Phantom Hourglass is actually. Bon, I'm sorry, bon, you're. Bon. Just a quick factual error Phantom Hourglass is terrible no it isn't it was not very good they made you keep going back to that forced stealth dungeon yeah, between kept going like all oh, that kicking his butt because i had more powers anyway uh didn't love it liked it this game though link between worlds is the bomb uh so Whoa, big talk the bomb <laughs> ma, ma, ma. is this a rest for us takes official the bomb of the, the bomb week. they have to resell the game to put that quote on the box that's how bomb it is can um, you can you just sort of touch on the broad strokes of why this game is so crazy? Absolutely. I was going to do that. So um, this game is a sequel to a... came out in like 1994, uh, A Link to the Past, which was the SNES Zelda game. And essentially this game takes place in the same world, essentially the same map as that game, but like centuries in the future, I guess. Some undiscernible yeah, amount of time. That doesn't matter. Link okay. to the Past was actually, it was earlier than that, I think. What? Uh, it was like 93 or 94, I think. It was 91. No. Yeah, really? 1991. For real. Dog. That was a good game. Anyway, uh, so that came out, and it's been a really long time since there's been, like, a really killer, top-down, like, traditional style of Zelda game. And a few of the reasons why this game is boss. Number one. Uh, I think a lot of the... Is it boss or is it bomb? Is it a boss or is it a bomb? Of, uh, I mean... Freshick didn't tell you at the beginning of the episode, but he's recording this entire uh, bit for my mom because he's worried that she wouldn't be able to understand it unless... Some are, are, are lingo. Yeah, so uh, this game's pretty um, fly. Nope. It's fly. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, what did the greasers say? Grease. They talked, they explained why this Zelda Grease. game is so subversive. This game is super Grease. Um, oh, God. I think one of the, thing that, the things that people have had issues with with Zelda games in the last, like, ten years is that they're super hand-holdy, and that sucks. Essentially, like, having a little fairy come out or an elf or tingle appear and be like, hey, dog, you got to go to the forest temple. Hey, dog, you got to go to the water temple now. Sucks. Even uh, even Ocarina of Time did that to a certain extent. So it, it, certain games have done that more than others. Um, Link Between Worlds does not really do that at all. There's like three initial dungeons that you can do in any order you want, and that unlocks. Well, no, you another, have to do the like, fir- you have to do the first you have to do the first one, oh, and then the other two sorry. you can pick your sorry, order. factual error. So you have to do the first one, and the other two you can do in anywhere. But after you do those, you essentially unlock. Uh, you know, big surprise, there's two worlds in the game, sort of right there in the title. And you unlock this other world, and in that other world are eight dungeons. And for the first time, I think since Zelda 1, 
you you can go to any dungeon you want. I mean, some dungeons require certain items, which we'll get to. That's like a whole other thing. But you could basically like go wherever you want, and that's cool. Like you can ta- tackle dungeons in any order you want. Um, and why that's possible is the new item system. I'm gonna try to make this sound not super super dull, but it's gonna be hard. Uh, essentially, in previous Zelda games, you'd unlock an item from a dungeon. People know how like Zelda the games work. If they're listening to this podcast, just explain why it's different. Okay, so this time, uh, you can basically unlock every single item right from the get-go, so long as you have enough money. There's a whole rental system where you can buy items for a lot more money, but you can just pick any item you like. So if you like the boomerang a ton, you can buy that straight out. If you like the fire rod a whole lot, you can buy that. Um, so what that means is essentially, you know, you can buy items as you feel like, and then using those items, you can go in whatever order you want through you're, the dungeon. You're skipping over one of the best things about that system, which is before you buy them, um, you can rent them. Yeah. And you get to keep them when you rent them for as long as you want until you die. Yes. So it adds this, like, crazy penalty to when you oh, die. Oh, man. You, you lose... think it's annoying dying yeah. in a Zelda game now? Wait till this... Well, no, no, no. It's a that's shithead a, comes. It's like I'll be taking these. Thank you. Before it's like, oh, it wasn't injury. It wasn't annoying at all to die in a Zelda game. Yeah, there was it like really no wasn't. Penalty. Like, yeah, there was there was basically no penalty to it. Also, if you're not carrying fairies around, like, there's no reason for you to be dying in a Zelda game. But like, it's it's insane for them to add this level of punishment to any Nintendo franchise that has you know typically not been especially punishing. Yeah. So what's interesting is that I only used the rental aspect of the game like at the very, very beginning. And then from there on out, I only bought stuff. I never rented stuff. So I would only buy stuff when I had enough money, which is like tons and tons more money than a rental costs. And that sort of introduced a different mechanic, which was, hey, money actually means something in a Zelda game for maybe the first time ever. Like generally yeah. in Zelda games, you're like, oh, my wallet's full because I have fucking... 70,000 rupees um, I'm not gonna I have no milk. reason to spend them but now money actually like has a value and um, it like was really rewarding to go through like a side dungeon and get money instead of just getting like a piece of a heart or that's, that's the shit I love like treasure feels valuable yeah. like there are all these little hidden treasure puzzle rooms throughout the game that require you to use all these different mechanics in harmony to get like a hundred rupees at the end of it and like you want to like you want that the treasure is like super desirable yeah uh, to an extent that i don't think a zelda game has ever been able to it, to do before it sounds like climbing towers or something in the assassin's creed games where it takes something that is pretty like mechanical and a simple loop but the reward is so nice that you actually enjoy it for the first time. Yeah, like, but not even that, because like a lot of those side dungeons are actually like really well-designed puzzle mechanics, whereas the towers are really just like climb this fucking tower again, you know? The, the implication of the system is so... It's, I, like, it's unbelievable that this game got made. And typically when people say shit like that, it's because the game is so terrible. It, it, it is so subversive to a formula that literally has barely barely changed yeah since since the first game came out in the 80s like it is insane how much it shakes it up it is it basically turns it into what amounts to an open world zelda game one that doesn't rely on on gear gating there's still a little bit of that like 
you have to find this one glove in one of the the dark world dungeons before you can pick up big stones there's a there's a little bit of that but it's so minimal and you really do feel like you have control over where you go which is good a not just because it shakes things up but b it gets rid of what is the actual biggest offender of zelda games of late and that is the artificial padding out of the length of the game which is Mm -hmm. like straight up Skyward Sword was a pretty good game. It was very nearly ruined by that shit. There was there was 30 good hours to that game and maybe 15 really shitty hours to that game. And because of this system, it doesn't pad it out like, okay, now before you can do the forest dungeon, you have to go rescue all these cows. Like, no, yeah. you just go, you either have the thing or you don't, in which case, you know, go find some rupees, go get some treasure, go buy it, and then go do the thing. Like, it's entirely up to you. It's as long as you as you want it to be between dungeons. Like, you don't have to take a break. I've been mainlining them. Yeah. And it doesn't... Yeah, and it actually is really good about making dungeon length not... Uh, part of the thing that I that kind of bugs me sometimes about Zelda games is when you get to a, a dungeon and it's just so gigantic, you don't even... It's, like, daunting, and you don't even know where to approach it and, and, and where to start through it. And the dungeons here are very... Um, they're smaller... They're manageable. Certainly. I'd say it's like 30 much minutes more to an hour. Yeah. The vertical element to the dungeons, though, is really is really something special. The, there's one dungeon uh, that's one of, in that first set of three that you play that is, I think, just 13 floors, which sounds menacing, but it's just a straight column of rooms, and you have to find a way to keep climbing them, and your climb takes you like inside and outside of the tower, like wrapping oh, yeah. all around it. It's, yeah. it's really, really clever stuff that adds like a new dimension to to the game that carries through the entire all all of the dungeons yeah and we haven't even touched on the whole like being able to press into walls thing which i thought was going to be a total gimmick but they use oh, it. oh i thought that would be the most annoying but they use it but so cleverly and it's like it really well what i thought it was going to be was like oh you know it only works on glowing walls or shit like that like a total cop out but you can literally like do it on basically every single wall in the game and it ties into like so many of the puzzles and just it feels like the most like thoughtful in terms of like requiring thought zelda game that i've played in a really long time because the 3d ones on the whole are like very combat centric this just feels like a totally different vibe and to me like for years people have been wondering like is nintendo listening to the complaints that people have had about zelda games you know, we've heard them say, like, oh, the next console Zelda is going to be more, like, open and less guided. And I never really believed that that was going to be the case until <laughs> I, I played either. this game. Yeah. And this game is proof that they are actually listening to the complaints that people have and have totally shaken a franchise, a major, major franchise to its core um, to the point. It's also, like, it's, it's just amazing. It's also fucking cool to be back in Link to the Past Hyrule again. Like, there's so much stuff that looks and feels the same, but when you actually get up close, it's it's different. Like, there's nothing rehashed except for, like, the map breakdown, like, where things are in the world. Like, the, the dungeons aren't the same, you know, as they were in Link to the Past. There's so many... It feels so nostalgic and new at the same time. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have a question. Yo. Is it true that it looks like poop? No, no, I I've every, seen so I, many I've people seen that say all over the place, and I I don't know. I haven't played. I don't. 
I don't get that at all. I I think it is a it is, what it does is it takes away, um, the, uh, takes away Link to the Past looked, uh, um, which is the best uh, video game that has been made. And it takes the way that game looks, and makes it resemble the way you remember it looking. Yeah, like that. That is the best way I can describe it. It 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 looks like you remember, um. Link to the past looking. It's it, like, I think it's the character design of Link that makes people say that because he he is like this squat kind of funny looking dude and like his tunic has never looked sillier <laughs> than it looks in this game because that's how it looked in Link to the Past and that's how they have adapted it over. Everyone's gotten used to this like fucking Batman suit Link that he was in Twilight Princess like that's Yeah. That's just he, not. He actually looks uh, like he did in the instruction manual. Yeah, right. Like for for the originals. Well, I saw games. somebody compare it to like the Wand of Gamelon, like those oh, that's those horrible. games, and it's like that's a fucking that is not I, a good comparison. I think part of the issue also might be the fact that like a lot of the people commenting probably are looking at screenshots, whereas uh, you know, I mean, the 3DS runs at like a paltry resolution, so if you look at a blown up screenshot, it's going to look pretty sure. crappy. But in it looks motion. Good. It looks yeah. stellar on the screen. Like yeah, I'm on an XL, so it's blown up a little bit, and it just looks so good. Oh, and the music is. Go- I mean, I could go on and on about this game. It really is, uh, by far, the best 3DS game I've ever played. Easily one of the best Zelda games I've ever played. Probably top five, if not top three. And uh, like, if you have a 3DS, dude. If you don't like, this is a reason to buy one. It is that get that good. Zelda bundle. God damn, that thing looks tight. Yeah, that's awesome. It is really nice as someone who has been a sort of Nintendo detractor of late uh, to to get a, such a good reminder of like why these games are as good as they are and why Nintendo is it has this wonderful sense of fun to it that I don't uh, I think has been less prevalent. It's got a wonderful sense of like play and gets back to you know Shigeru Miyamoto used to talk about how he got started making the Zelda games was playing. Uh, in the woods behind his house. No, and, that's and, crap. He just had an acid trip and just like imagined like wizards and shit. Yeah. But he that's tells what, you that that's, forest story. He took the acid in the forest though. Yeah. Right. He got ten year old acid <laughs> as a young boy. And no, but I mean he he talks about that was the inspiration for the Zelda games and this I think more than any recent Zelda game has that feeling of like exploration and um looking for you know actually having a reason to go exploring and mm-hmm. um looking for adventure yeah let's every corner let's move on because that was a that was a, a rock block a zelda talk you want to finish uh, up this nintendo talk want to hit the rest of it or i could or i could segue to more portable talk sure that's it fine. depends yeah, on which direction portable. we want to take let's this let's do portable okay i want to talk about my game uh it is the game with the best slash worst camera of the year and that game is Tearaway, which is a tremendous little PS Vita title from Media Molecule, makers of fine titles like Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet um, 2. Um, it is a PlayStation Vita exclusive platformer where everything is made out of paper. It is a papercraft platformer. Um, and when I say that, I mean, people listening have probably seen the game, so they know what it is. But I mean, it's not the first paper game ever made. Like, paper well, it's, when you say that, it sounds like Little Big Planet. Like, 
describing it that way just sounds like yeah i guess that's true it's it's i mean it's a 3d platformer so it's not it's not that 2.5d that that little big planet had um it takes a lot of the things that i loved about little big planet um like the incorporation of user-generated content and that nobody nobody makes games as charming as media molecule does like their games have a definitive style like the little big planet series had this like quirky style and really hit music and um really terrific art design that is unlike anything that anybody else is doing and i think that tearaway cements them as being the masters of whatever that style is um because the world made out of paper they they didn't cheat on anything like there's no like everything's out of, made out of paper except for this lake is made out of water like everything every every single piece of the world every particle effect every aspect of the user interface is entirely made out of paper and it doesn't look shitty like they they have put so much detail into that world um it seems like they got this game out relatively quickly i don't actually know how long it took them to develop it um but it was announced at last Gamescom, right? It was well, Gamescom, so like, Gamescom that, 2012? Like a year and a half ago? Or maybe it was 2011. I'm not actually sure. Um, but it it looks incredible. It's like one It's it's one of the best-looking Vita games uh, I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it's just that illusion of like every like jumping into water and then the splash particle effects that come up are little scraps of paper that curl yeah, away this, from you. This is going to seem weird, but like... I, so I started playing it last night. I hadn't played it before. And... I feel like Media Molecule, where they succeed, is in making some of the most realistic games around. That seems like a weird thing to say when you have living puppets running around. But when I say that, I mean, like, everything that they make in their games, and especially the case in Tearaway, feels like you could literally reach in and, like, grab it out of the screen. It's like that level of... Yeah, because it's not... Tearaway, what what is so great is it's not just the the design. It's the way that, like, when Iota or Atois... um, who are the the male and female protagonist of the game respectively whenever you like whenever they like run over a piece of paper it like smushes down beneath them when when you the player like touches things on the screen they like sort of fold and crease and sound like paper actually behaves and they they incorporate you they incorporate the player as a like full blown character in the game that they call a you you are a you um, and you live Nintendo's in the sun. Pissed, by the way. Huh? <laughs> Nintendo must be pissed. Oh uh, yeah. Your <laughs> your face is in the sun, which they simulate through the the PS Vita front facing camera, which is absolutely amazing. Every single time that it happens, like every time it happened, I made a face at my video game that I was playing, which I've never <laughs> done before. I um, feel like the baby in Teletubbies every time that happens. It is kind of like that, yeah. Um, but it's not. Again, it's not just like a. a visual gimmick thing like it is a very holistic approach at like a god game almost like you feel like you have this entire world inside the playstation vita that you're looking down on and they show you looking down on it and then you use your the the two touch uh inputs of the ps vita to just move stuff around to your godly whim um like when they first announced it i was i was hesitant because they showed that thing where you stick your finger through the back of the screen at certain parts and then your finger pops into the game um, and you can move it around and squash stuff 
Uh, and I thought that that was going to be like a huge, like the only thing that the game had in it. And it's really just a small, small piece of the pie. Yeah, I, I absolutely despise back touch. Like pretty much every game that implements it, I'm like, ugh. Cause, like, but they the use I it hope... really, really well here, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. Like that's the thing is like certain games will do it like throughout the entire game. Here it's used in very specific circumstances. So you don't have to worry about like accidentally touching it at the wrong time and stuff like that. Um, and that like illusion of seeing your fingers poke through the world is like weirdly super impactful. Like I had like an emotional reaction to seeing that. I had a uh, lot of emotional reactions to the way that the game incorporated me. Like it sounds like super silly. You have all these opportunities to customize stuff. So you can customize IOTA at any time by like, you can buy little facial features that you can basically just like tear off his face and stick onto his face in any way that you want. People are doing like really crazy stuff with it. Somebody made a Batman, uh, somebody made a link. Um, Has it been made world one, one yet on his face? I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's not just those preset things that you can buy and stick onto his face. You can all, there's also this, um, system for creating user generated content, which is literally like 10 different scrap uh, sheets of construction paper with different colors. You pull them onto your working field and then you draw a shape onto it and then you click the cut button and it cuts that shape out. And then you can layer those different shapes to create basically anything that you want. And then you save that design and then you can stick it on him. Um, at certain opportunities, you'll be able to stick it onto other people. Sometimes it'll ask you to like take a picture of something using the Vita camera and then it'll reskin like a moose using whatever you take a picture of. It gives you dozens and dozens of opportunities to do that. And then by the end of the game, like it just feels like you have made this entire world. It feels like the world is, is like something of your creation. And it really is like, it's impactful. Like it, it feels, I, I felt like I had such a strong connection of the game because it made me feel like I was a character in its world. Um, the reason I say it has best slash worst camera, and I'm being awfully hyperbolic there, um, it has all these moments where you are platforming, and the platforming controls are, are you know, they're good. They're not uh, floaty, like a lot of people had complaints about Little Big Planet being. Um, they're good. And the coolest parts of the levels are like, when you have to fold and unfold parts of the level like a pop-up book to create the ramp or platform that you need to jump up to. Um, in order to get that illusion, the camera is fixed most of the time, meaning you have no control over it. Only sometimes when you're in like big open fields, you do have control over it. And there's like nothing more frustrating in a platformer than going to adjust the camera that you thought you had control over and then not having that control over the camera like it's a deal breaker in most games here it's not as big of a problem because um the camera angles are never like shitty it's just sometimes you're like looking for that one collectible you're trying to find and not being able to look around for it is kind of a pain in the ass the best camera is that you have an in-game camera that you can buy instagram filters and lenses for it's fucking great it's great and there's like really well integrated twitter and facebook functionality in it um so you can share that stuff that's it's funny a... that you... I, so when you said that your thing was the best and worst camera, I thought the best was predictable. Like, you have the camera in the game. That made sense. I thought the worst might have been, like, every once in a while, you have to look at your, like... My gamer face is, like, not Oh, shit, pleasant. Dude, It's brutal. <laughs> so it'll be, like, I do, I... poorly lit, pale, scaly-looking dude just appearing in this happy land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had one session where I, um, I was really sick. 
And so I couldn't I couldn't sleep one night, and so I just stayed up and and played some of the game. And then like there's this beautiful sunrise scene where uh, the sun hasn't come out for a while, and you've been in these dark awful caverns and they're like oh wait where's the sun and then it rises over the cliff and there's my like putrid like <laughs> tallowy skin just like oozing off my bones like hey Oda. hey what's up buddy come meet me <laughs> hey buddy you see my chow <laughs> um yeah it's yeah. brutal but man is what a fun? fucking good game it's super is, like fun. the game part fun yeah the game is really fun i know it looks cool yeah it's i, it's, I was sold instantly it's not like the core platforming stuff is kind of unexceptional when tied in with like the physical controls and just the overall atmosphere of the game and the storytelling and the presentation and just everything. It it creates like a holistic, amazing package. But like combat is not not that exciting. Right. And, like the 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 platforming stuff is not like the Rayman Legends-esque like intense millisecond to millisecond like it's not like that that's that's this sounds like an excuse but it genuinely is true in this case that's just not the platformer it's trying to be it's trying to be a more like narrative platformer experience yeah also I would say like you mentioned the little big planet like physics before I hate like part of the reason I really can't play those games is because of the physics yeah. And uh, it really is much more tolerable here. Like they do not do the like floaty half jump crap that Little Big Planet does. Which like uh, that's another example. Like I would make the same defense argument for Little Big Planet in that that stuff was part of the holistic package of Little Big Planet. In that most of the user generated content levels, where you had complete control over the tools, like it wasn't like snapped to some sort of grid. Like you had all the freedom you wanted to create any physical object and give it any properties you wanted, if you didn't have that sort of physical, floaty, like, almost analog jumps, it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked quite as well. But but in this case, like, it's it's inoffensive. It's it's just you know, it's not yeah. super exciting. And and in terms of the character the content creation stuff, like I was over always super overwhelmed by Little Big Planet and all the tools yeah. that were in there. And here, here you're like literally talking about cutting action. shit into paper. Like, like make it, a it crown a for sense. a squirrel. Do you think yeah. you can handle that? I could. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. So what's been going on in your guys' life that isn't video games? Anything? Anything to report? Get married next week, but I don't think that's like especially fun to talk about on the show. I got back. I was in England. Yeah, we did that. How was that? That's uh, it's like a whole other country. Yeah. Um, have you been to was... England before? Uh, yeah, I went there for my honeymoon. Oh. I uh, went to England and uh, Ireland for my honeymoon. And this, we went to uh, Ireland. Uh, we went to England, and then we went to Cardiff, Wales, for a day. Um. Uh, I the best thing that happened to me is I went to the Doctor Who convention. And that was like a celebration, I should say, for the 50th anniversary. Uh, and I saw so many people dressed up like Doctor Who uh, that it was kind of surreal. Did you see the um, real Doctor Who, though? Yeah, uh, I saw the real Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> he came to save us from some aliens or some shit. I don't know. I don't watch the show that close. But the, uh, the best thing that happened to me was I was leaving... Um, <laughs> I was leaving the one of the panels. Actually, it was sort of like the big main panel that had 
the current Doctor Who, Matt Smith, and uh, current showrunner Stephen Moffat and uh, Clara and a few other people. So I'm leaving um, the Doctor Who celebration, and there's a guy next to me dressed like the current Doctor, Matt Smith, and Sydney and I are in this like massive crowd of people. I mean, it is a it is a throng. I would say it's a full on throng of people trying to get herded up this escalator, all of varying degrees of hygiene. And there's this gentleman next to me dressed up like Matt Smith, and he has his cell phone out, and I he loudly announces on the cell phone, "Hello, my impossible girl. This is me." A madman in a box, and you're my impossible girl because I'm here today and you're coming tomorrow. And I think he was talking to a lady friend uh, on the phone, but this conversation continued. This was an unironic conversation this gentleman was having, almost entirely consisting of uh, memes from the show Doctor Who. There was a person on the other end of the phone, presumably a female person. Yeah. And the conversation, the half of it that I heard was almost enough to kill me. If I had heard both halves of it, I think that I probably would have turned think- into a miniature <laughs> son and burned everyone in the building you think into a if, crisp. If she, do you think she was on the other end like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm... I won't be there. I know I said I'd be there at 10, but it'll actually be closer to noon because I'm running a bit TARDIS. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Probably. I mean, it could. Um, it might just be her sitting at a bar holding her cell phone up as her friends, like, listen to him talking. Or, like, it um, went straight to voicemail. Those are two viable options. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's 
secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution to save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Speaking of Jenna Coleman, who plays the current companion on Doctor Who, I also overheard this snippet uh, while I was sitting waiting for a panel to begin. Uh, a gentleman sitting behind me uh, said, uh, yeah, I got Jenna Coleman to sign a Christmas card to me. They said you could have her sign one thing. So I wrote a Christmas card out to myself. Oh, my God. And mm-hmm. had her sign it. And it just talked about her undying love for me and her, her hoping that I had a great holiday and then she signed it, and she it probably, was fine. Now, the second thing she probably did, she would have probably put on there herself about yeah, that. Yeah, probably. Great holiday thing. The first not, thing is maybe not as of a of a lock. But mm. then after I heard both these things, can I ask you, you something though, Doctor Judge? Before you ju- before you judge anymore, <laughs> how much how much money did you spend to travel to a, another fucking continent to go to Doctor Who Day? It just happened to be going on. How much? Well, I, was yeah. there. I was gonna I was gonna go there anyway. How many yeah. dollars? How many dollars, please, Carmine? Didn't you hear me talk about the Roman baths? How I many mean, dollars, I, I Dr. To Judge? To... Don't use Bogon <laughs> dollars either. At least three Gs. Yeah. <laughs> Put I your saw... judging cap away. So would you rather I... like people like that? <laughs> I went to Stonehenge. You, wouldn't you rather people like that like have an outlet that they can like be excited about rather than just thing. like people I, like that? He spent three thousand dollars. He spent he spent like thirty six hours in the sky away from his belongings and his house to go celebrate the life of Doctor Who. Like he is <laughs> not is thing, he's not I'm, standing in the rafters watching. <laughs> Look at the nerds. You're deep down in there, dog. <laughs> I'm not judging though. I know it sounds that way. It does, but it makes me it makes me incredibly happy. I'm glad that, that to see people. It sort of reminded me of Pax, where people are just allowed to be themselves, and themselves happens to be very exuberant. And I feed off earnestness now that I'm in my early 30s. I need people to continue to be unironically excited about things because it's the only place I can draw strength. Um, and and I was I was extremely excited that everybody there had had an outlet and had this great thing they could rally around. It was also really fun to see. Like I don't think the video game scene is at this place yet, but the Doctor Who scene to see like people who are obviously fans of the new series, and then you see these like old embittered like men that just love old doctor who yeah. and really could give a a a, a a a damn about the the new kids running up on there but my guess is that what they thing. only care about like the tom baker doctor who and the rest of the doctor who's like no one seems to give a shit about the rest of the doctor who's i like the doctor who that was in the movie 
that guy. Paul I thought, McGann. I thought that, that guy that you clearly have a big attention. Like there is to. an amazing post going around Tumblr right now. I've seen it pop up like five or six times in the past week from different people, uh, and it is a th- it's a it's an audio file, and then following that audio file is a huge thread of people complaining about how Moffat has ruined the show, how a new generation will never appreciate Doctor Who, how it is this bastardization of everything they've ever you know known and loved about the series, how they're taking it in a direction that they hate. Uh, all because of the new theme song that will come with the next Doctor. Uh, and the audio file at the top of the post that everybody has been commenting on is the opening theme to, to Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> and these people did not know that fact and thought that it was the new... Oh, Jesus Christ, it's good. Oh, that's fantastic. Aww. That's delicious. Well, it sounds like What's... a lovely trip you had. It was a lot of fun. And I was not... I promise, I was not as judgy as it sounded. I just... I think it's awesome that people still still get excited about stuff. It makes me really happy. I'm excited to hear about our next game. Whatever. It what may is be. it? I don't plant. know. I want some plant. I'm, I don't feel like I'm gonna get much plant uh, today, and I need a f- I need my fix. It's okay. I'm. I'm Can someone pot up the plant mix, please. I'm here. I just. I'm. Don't worry. We're gonna talk about Super Mario 3D World, the latest Mario game from. Mario Company, Nintendo. The last Mario game, isn't that what they're saying? That's the headline. The last <laughs> great Mario game, because Nintendo clearly doesn't want to make more money. They're just going to stop right here. Um, it's great. You can play with friends, uh, uh, four of them, ideally, uh, and you three walk of, around with them, Mario right? and Toad and Peach and what? You said f- you can play with friends, oh, four of them. Oh, crap, three of them. I was counting yourself as, you know, a friend of yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, sure, yeah. And what's special about this one is it's made by the same people who made uh, Super Mario Galaxy, which was the last great Mario game, the, the last one that people said there would never be a good Mario game. Actually, I think Edge just named Mario Galaxy the best game of this generation, and the end of that piece says there will never be a great Mario game. Uh, Mario Galaxy 2? They'll, they'll never two was... do, yeah, well, they'll never do Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 again. So oh, I guess I 3D World doesn't count. Like I thought they were saying that Mario Galaxy 1 was better than Galaxy 2, which is not I think true. They, they people just count them as like the same project, which is hmm. kind of weird. Um, it is weird. But whatever. But the point is, it, it, it's a very fun Mario game. Uh, it's nice to actually want to play uh, co-op in a Mario game, uh, which I, I've always like thought, oh, I, I do that in plenty of Mario games. But then I realized that's not true. That's always like Mario Kart or... Uh, Mario Party or something else. It's not usually the main Mario games where I actually want to play with other people. It's just not much fun in the new Super Mario Brothers. Like, I know that's the main hook, and that might be sacrilege to say that, but it's just, in 2D, it's just so fucking busy. Like, it's just a bunch of people You're always on top of people. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, what I really like about this is the new power is the, uh, the cat powers, um, and you become a folk singer. Uh, and you run the Lilith there, and it's wonderful. I liked it. And then you um, damn Salmon Rushdie. Yeah. You, no, you, you, you turn into a cat, and uh, it looks dopey as all hell, but it allows you to climb up walls, which seems like the most obvious power to add to a game that's all about getting over walls. Like, it's all about jumping and climbing, uh, and it, it really does actually change up the way you play the game. Uh, and it also looks adorable, and it just breaks Arthur Geese's itty-bitty heart, um, and I like anything that has that ability. My favorite thing about the co-op is that it's there's a secret vein of competitiveness that 
happens below the surface. I don't think it's below the surface. It's pretty. There's a fucking crown for Christ's sake. There's a fucking crown. That okay. So if you get the highest score on a level, when you start the next level, you have this crown on your head, and it'll fall off if you take any damage. And someone else can run in and scoop it up and dethrone you and be the unjust king or queen <laughs> of of the mushroom kingdom for a level. Uh, which you is die. De- it's delightful. Um, my favorite part is whenever I play with with three friends, like we we work together and we're like talking to each other during the level, which is crazy. Like coming up with all these different strategies because sometimes you like have to. Sometimes they're like these platforms that'll move in a direction depending on which end of it you're standing on. So like everybody has to be on their game on the same page no matter what. And we like we're so proud of ourselves for making it to the end of the level. And then as soon as you see that flagpole like all bets are off and it's just like i'll pick somebody up and throw them into a piranha plants a gaping mouth and to be <laughs> the person who gets on top of that flagpole because whoever gets on top gets the gets the flag yeah it's it's crazy that it doesn't fucking matter but it is like i want it i want it so bad and i'm so angry when i don't get it and you just wear a crown is that the whole bit yeah it you does wear nothing. a crown and you it glows and you're special yeah uh it's you're like it's special to person. human nature yeah, yeah. Wanting crowns. Not everybody and such. wants to rule the world. So, I, so I played this game with Plant. Um, I played through like the first two worlds, I guess. And then decided uh, that it wasn't good because you played. No, I didn't. I didn't say it wasn't yes. good. I just I, I'm not quite as enamored with the game as everyone else seems to be. Having played none of it. What are you talking about? You did the How exact same thing that Solentrup did. We, we we talked with Chris Solentrup, who did the review for the New York Times, and he played like about as much as Russ had. And he was like, uh, I don't know. And then was glowing about it once he, you know, put in a whopping 15 minutes into the game. That's a lie. Truth. Um, so what, what, cha- what changes? So like the first levels that I played were like pretty typical Mario situation. Yeah. So the way a Mario game works is you learn how to play it the first few <laughs> levels and then they add in new details that make it more fun. He's not he's not like it there really is from world to world, really once you do get past that part that, that you said you, you played, um, it really does start throwing stuff in, like those those platforms that have almost like a sense of democracy to like which direction they move. Um and like a lot of that stuff have these like emergent mechanics layered over it. So like for example, using those platforms for, as an example, they're on rails, right? So we had all four players on those rails, and then there are these big spiky guys that roll down those rails that you have to jump over while still staying on these platforms, making sure you land on the right side so you don't just roll right back into those guys, while also jumping up and hitting switches to change the track so that you make sure you don't fall off the edge and die, while also making sure that like when you move from track to track, that those spiky guys don't follow you and fall right on top of your head. Like You are balancing six or seven different plates with four people all at the same time, and so when somebody fucks up, it's like hilarious almost how bad they screw everybody else over. Like It's yeah. just, it's, it's a party game. I'm playing I, I th- with people who don't play many video games, all, all things considered. Like, my, my fiance played through Rayman Legends with me controlling the screen while I controlled the platforming, but she didn't get so much into the platforming. And, like, there's not a lot of stuff. There's not, like, a lot of complex controls. It's mostly keeping the rules of the game. I, I, I think what makes it difficult to describe, like, why one Mario game is better than the others is all of them have essentially the same moves, right? Like, it's, like, the duck, the jump, the butt stomp. What is special about any of them is, like, the weird instances that they incorporate into the game to make you use those things. And it's such, like, 
it's such a game of these tiny moments, one after the other after the other, that to like say why I think this one is better than, uh, you know, many of the others is like I just like those moments better. I think there's more creativity on a consistent basis in this than there is, you know, in the last bundle of new Super Mario Brothers games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I mean, I would agree with the detractors on Mario games, specifically on 2D Mario games. It does feel like they've really hit a wall in terms of creativity and, like, the limit to what you can do in a 2D Mario, like, level generation standpoint. Like, it seems like they've, like, really been repeating themselves. Whereas with these 3D games, obviously, there's a lot more freedom. And I'll also say, like, in defense of what Chris said earlier when I was playing Super Mario 3D Land, which was the 3DS one, I really didn't get sucked into the game until, like, pretty deep into it. Uh, specifically, like, like, when you go back and replay a lot of the levels with, like, very different mechanics. I think there's, like, a, a whole, like, new eight worlds. And so that might be the case here as well. I think also you've got to play it with four people. I don't think I don't think two really gets it across uh, because it... it I don't know. I haven't actually. I've, yeah. I've only played it with four people. So and I, it is I've, so antic. Like it's so crazy with four people, but in a completely like manageable way. When you screw up, it's not because the game got too busy. It's just because you lost focus for a second. I've been playing it with Steffi, and it is maybe my favorite of the game of the year now, just because of how weird the experience is. Because she had, she doesn't play video games at all. I mean, she mm-hmm. plays Dance Central. Uh, she, w- I had to teach her how to walk in a straight line in Mario, which sounds mm-hmm. absurd, but like she could not walk left to right. Um, but she was drunk at the time, so it's. Really she bad. was also absolutely hammered, um, but <laughs> but she like gradually figured it out. But now, what playing that game is is basically trying to get through these complicated worlds while like not, not like carrying her from one into the next. But if like she's going off the edge, running and grabbing her character and then like throwing her back on t- to the platforms like when so I it's play like having, with it's you it's like having yeah it's like having a trying to get through Splunky with a one of those AI controlled characters like you have no idea which way it's going to go and you're just trying your best to keep it alive and then every once in a while she'll do some like amazing feat yeah uh, that's the I'm best like, part how did you do that and she's like oh I just hit all the buttons and we I'm had like, a boss that, that oh, the yeah. four of us just could not handle and we just couldn't figure out how to like get up the right set of platforms to jump on its head, um, and and then a, a friend of mine who is like definitely not like super game experienced figured out like oh I'm just gonna start picking people up and then jumping as high as I possibly can and then tossing them on their <laughs> head like there's some sort of coconut or something like that and then weaponize the three other people in the level and and beat the boss and it was like I can't believe that like that's some heavy ass game logic right there that you just came up with on the fly like it's i don't know it does have this potential to be a a good stepping stone towards more complex punishing um platformers and and games in general i guess yeah for sure um so not not a solo experience though because that's how i normally play games i I don't think i don't think it would be a bad solo experience i just think there's so much in it that is great as a multiplayer game that it would you know, you wouldn't be taking advantage of it. I'll go back and probably play it some to collect, like, the stars and stamps and other collectible things that that we missed while we, like, just burned through the level trying not to die. But I don't know if it'll be... It definitely won't be as fun as the, the four-player stuff. Uh, I'd like to talk about my game, if I can. At my best of the week is the best collectibles in an Assassin's Creed game yet. I can't believe <laughs> we haven't talked about this game yet. 
I know. Uh, I wanted to wait to play it until I could play it on a next generation console. Um, and I'm playing it on the PlayStation 4. That's right, haters. Sorry, didn't get it on the Xbox One. I like, I'm a Sony carny now. Um, <laughs> I'm playing it on that PS4 too. Me too. Uh, so, you have the PS4 too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's twice as good. It's twice as big and half as powerful. <laughs> and it costs twice as much. That I don't know what they made. Why did you do that? Why would you um, buy an $800 game console? So, Assassin's Creed 4, is, I'm, I was hesitant. Uh, I wasn't actually that upset about waiting um, because I was so... Because 3 was of, such a shit pie? It, uh, bing, 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 bing. Yeah, Assassin's Creed 3 was not good. Uh, not a good game. If you thought it was a good game, you were wrong. Unless you really liked it for reasons that I did not grok because I did not think it was good at all. But, so I was like a little lukewarm. I am shocked at how much I'm enjoying Assassin's Creed 4. I am so deep into every little dumb mechanic that it throws at me. Everything, every stupid little uh, side path and like, uh, to give you an example of how sweet Assassin's Creed 4 is, uh, to use my technical game critic uh, uh, terminology here, uh, y- you spend a lot of time in, a, in your sweet pirate ship uh, just coasting around. And every once in a while, you'll see a giant animal. Maybe it's a shark. Maybe it's a <laughs> whale. And what do you do when that happens? Well, that's right. You get in a little, I'm just going to call it a skiff. It's basically a skiff. And you take your goddamn shirt off and you go throw a harpoon into it and let it drag you around the ocean while you throw more harpoons into it. And that's like such a tiny, like little facet that you could completely skip if you wanted to. But like, there's all kinds of sweet things like that. Like, I jumped on an iguana from a tree. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, there's a loop, I feel like, that this game was built around. And it was sieging another ship in your sweet ass pirate ship, doing the battle which is fucking rad, and then setting it on oh, fire, God. and then pulling up alongside of it while your dudes are singing this awesome shanty and, like, shooting grappling hooks over to it, and then you kick this sweet lever and shoot up the sail of your own ship and then swing out on a rope and then, like, fly 40 feet downwards and then sky that assassinate the captain. was such a thrill captain. the first time it's, I went to go, to go take a ship, and I see the ship next to me, and I think... God, I wish it was a good way to get over there. And then I look next to the cannon I have to fire at the guys. Right next to the cannon is a rope. rope. Uh-huh. Just grab the rope and swing out because that would be the coolest thing you could possibly do. And you, and, <laughs> and you do that, and it's fantastic. And that loop uh, is great. Yeah. And even when I don't need to take a ship, I'm like, I want to take that ship. I take I every ship. My, and- <laughs> my travels from one town to another <laughs> is basically... A perfect chain of like there's a boat while that ne- boat next to me is sinking like gotta get that other boat i just yeah. like spider-man swing from ship to ship oh it's so it's so, so, so it's good. funny my- that we haven't we've talked about all these awesome things but we haven't talked about the most awesome thing which is well, my, the limited my- touch of desmond and all his modern day bullshit that comes into this game I maybe I've been playing for maybe eight hours and i i mean you it takes you into abstergo for like uh, 10 entertainment, minutes. which is a thin metaphor for yes. Ubisoft, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is insane. But then, I mean, you don't. It does not you, infringe on your experience. You can drop like back at any time, right? 
You can exit the Animus City. Yeah, if you want to. Why the hell would you do that? You're playing a pirate game where you stab whales. And I'm sure it'll take me back into there. They wouldn't build a whole first-person engine uh, just just for that Well, they built that for Revelations. Let's not forget that great 3D world. Oh, my God. Um... The but the 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 my 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 number one favorite thing my favorite collectible of um of any Assassin's Creed game is in Assassin's Creed Four we alluded to it a moment ago but you can collect shanties <laughs> now what does that mean well while you're running around town you'll see a, like a scrap of paper and it'll fly away from you uh, in Bart in true happened. Bart's nightmare fashion. <laughs> yes. Now, what was the? There was another Assassin's Creed game where there was like floating pieces of paper. Three, wasn't? Wasn't like yeah, it was in three. the Declaration of Independence? Or no, no, some, it was some, uh, some national treasure bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but you, but you see these sea shanties and you chase after them and you grab them and then when you, when you get them, your crew will sing a new song, <laughs> and they're great. I mean, some of them have actually been stuck in my head. Uh, uh, to to a pretty irritating. Uh, There's that uh, one that's extent. like that one that's like Motoran. What's your price? That one. Uh, th- that that is not one that I'm uh, aware of, but it's DLC. Uh, you have to have a UPlay passport. Ah, that makes sense. But it's it's such a dumb. I mean, it's like it, t- to my uh, uh, as far as I know, there's not like a gameplay. Uh, uh, advantage for this. Um, Except like, for the fact that like when you're sailing through a storm and like cresting over a massive rogue wave while all your fucking pirate crew is singing a shanty, it's the most incredible moment of like any game I've played this year. It's and then, fucking And by radical. the way, that is an actual mechanic of rogue waves that you have to turn into yep. and take straight on or your ship gets damaged. That's amazing. I don't know how this was made by the same people. Like in Assassin's Creed 3, they forgot everything that is good and pure in this world and filled the game with utter nonsense. And Assassin's Creed 4 is filled with so many fun, dumb it's, diversions. Oh, uh, what a difference a release of Far Cry 3 makes. Do you remember last year when Far Cry 3 came out and people bought 3 billion copies of it? And they're like, oh, well, let's just make Far Cry 3 into all of our games. Let's just do that in all our games from now on. That's like it, it does ev- feel like like a lot of like all the crafting stuff is like super direct like oh I need three lizard skins to make a bigger pouch for my ammo like it's super obvious what you need to do to get upgrades um, and yeah it does really feel like the Far Cry three of Assassin's Creed uh, they just took out all the like horrible cargo uh, there actually might still be cargo stuff but like there was so many like obscure bullshit parts of AC three. And the fact that the story was, like, so weighted down with added bullshit that this feels like, hey, I'm a fucking pirate. Like, that's all the game is. It's, like, being awesome. Speaking to piracy, the inclusion of islands is actually really great because you, first off, it is so much more fun to use your assassin abilities to assault, like, a small fort in the middle of an island rather than, like, finding one i've always kind of hated that when you're like trying to get one guy in the city and then the guard sees you from the rooftop and all this nonsense uh because it's so crowded and cramped with when you're on an island uh like you can really plan how you're gonna make your attack there's all kinds of like greenery and trees and forests that you can work with to uh to hide your approach and 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 yeah exactly and it makes it super fluid do you remember Uh, that was that was what was so good about Brotherhood was when you had the horse and you went out into the open land, 
mm-hmm. and you had those assassinations like on farms, and you you could you like planned how you're going to make the assassination. It also makes uh, collectibles a lot more approachable, I think, because there you know exactly how many there are on an island, and most of the islands are smaller, so it's like manageable. You know, there's two, tre- yeah. There's two treasure chests, and there's three. You know, there's one shanty, and there's three little collectibles like this, and you think, well, okay. I'm going to take 20 minutes and just clear this island out. And that's a very satisfying feeling yep. to know that you're sa- like, you're not going to have to come back and find some dumb thing. You, you, you know, you can clean the island out and get everything uh, that it has to offer uh, in one pass. Can we talk about something about this game that literally nobody has talked about? I think so far. Sure. The multiplayer is terrific. It's the I'm, same I'm, multiplayer like formula that they've been doing since God, I don't even know when they first said it in like the manhunt shit. Um, I mean, but I think that was AC Brotherhood was the first. I think time it was one of the it. one of the two trilogy or whatever. Um, it's ter- It's really really fun. I I didn't play it in AC three. I didn't play it. Uh, I I did play it in the first whatever iteration that it had. But a lot of the the mechanics of that sort of spy party Turing test, figuring out who's a robot and who's not, have been refined a lot. And I've actually been having a ton of fun with it. I've I've missed it more than I realized. Because um, I tried to get into Ghosts multiplayer on PS4, and I just fucking I played it for maybe an hour and just cannot do it anymore. And this is the basically the exact opposite of Ghosts in that it rewards and incentivizes patience and yep. and guile and um, focus as opposed to just go go get the guy. Like it's it's the opposite yeah. of that, and it's really good. It's really good stuff. Yeah, I, the one thing that I wish it had um, is, like, so there's, like, this weird thing where you're picking, like, from eight or whatever different character models, and I kind of wish, th- and I think Watch Dogs is planning on having this whenever the hell it comes out, but I like the idea of, like, pretending you're an NPC, which you, you know, sort of do, but, like, someone's playing the single-player campaign, and you, like, are just, like, pretending you're an NPC walking around, and then you, like, mess with them. And that's yeah. Watch, really... Watch Dogs definitely has that. Yeah, that's that I is mean, Watch Dogs like main multiplayer offering. Yeah, so I, I would like to see something similar to that in Assassin's Creed, given the fact that like crowds are such a big part of this game, and like mm-hmm. it'd be really cool to like not know who's real and who isn't. But yeah, maybe. But like the fact that it's a discrete multiplayer offering allows for that system of like loadouts um, and and rankings that you can level up through yeah i guess it just feels like a little bit overwhelming the ac multiplayer has always felt like like there's so many different powers and like side abilities and stuff like that and all i want to do is i mean it's just like any other multiplayer competitive game like you unlock that stuff as you level up through it it's not like you start yeah but it's 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 harder to understand like what the abilities are when it's not just like oh you reload faster there's like a lot of complexity and like learning that system so i mean it's yeah there's also a weird microtransaction system where the stuff unlocks and you buy it with currency that you earn by playing the multiplayer mode, right? Okay. Um, or you can pay real money to get a second form of currency with which you can buy anything you want at any level. Weird. No, I don't know why anybody would ever do that unless it's like there's something gated for level 50 that you absolutely have to have right now, but... Um, it's not super obtrusive, at least not in my experience. Super sword. No, there's no like uh, super sword, but like the sword that is, you actually. would unlock it. Yeah. It's a super sword. Assassin's Creed 4 is great. Everybody should get it and Woot. play it. 
Uh, Will you guys play multiplayer? Because I think I there's like multiplayer. I, play multiplayer. I think there's like a clan system that we could we could dive deep into. Polygon. Right. Yeah, I I play that. All right, let's do it. Word. Um, it's gonna do it for us here this week on the besties. We hope you've uh, had as much fun as we have. We actually had good games to talk about this week, which does wonders for our our mood. Um. If uh, if you want to read more about any of these games, we got reviews for all of them on Polygon.com, uh, as well as reviews for the consoles and all that shit. Did you guys do a show last week while I wasn't here? No. You no. skipped it, huh? Skipped yeah. it. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. Anyway. Uh, oh, but actually, if you missed, if the audience missed any of the 24 hours of live programming that we put up in the last two weeks... Uh, it's all available uh, both on Polygon and on our livestream.com Polygon's livestream page. So you could go back and check out those gems. 24 hours of live Don't, coverage. That was a lot go of get live it. coverage. Um, there, yeah, there's there's too much there, really. It's it's obscene. Yeah. Uh, and uh, make sure you join us again next Friday for the besties. Till then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. Sorry, it's just what? It's still, it's still new to me. I'm Chris is Bland. It, what? No, this is not how we do it. We're the besties. Because should the world's best friends pick the world's best things? Besties. besties!